Hi, I'm Teresa Marquez from Organic Valley, and you're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Nowak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. They were picked up on a 509B violation, sir. 509? Uh-huh. B? Yeah. I don't believe I'm familiar with that one. Uh, well, sir, it's not used in Manhattan very much. It involves the illegal detonation of poultry. <laughs> but I didn't think the chickens were among our more widely used explosives. <laughs> Sir, the wheelers were merely trying their hand at egg farming. They ran into a bit of difficulty with a propane-powered incubator. So all the would-be chicks are now... Quiche, yes, sir. <laughs> it seems as though Darla and Alfalfa here... Uh... <laughs> got an incubator with a faulty shutoff valve. It was a nightmare. <laughs> the god-awful smell of meringue. Blood-curdling peeping. The irony of it all is that we got into chickens because of our difficulties in running a worm farm. Oh, uh, there's a picture. You two haunched over a big vat of pink, juicy wigglers. <laughs> We were seduced by the glamour of it all. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. 20 years and counting as Chicago's go-to deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Sunday morning on Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 847-A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now back to American Radio Broadcast. On Facebook and Instagram at The Mike Novak Show and at Mike Now on Twitter. And here they are. She's lean and he's green. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are Right. right. Hey, good morning. Happy and, Earth Day. And, happy Earth Day, yeah. The sun's out. Uh, and I did that on purpose. Well, actually, what? probably... Wow, that thing's quiet. Yeah, that one... Uh, I think it's going to need to be repaired there. You got it? We'll see. All right. Ron Cogill, where are you when we need you? Uh, on Saturday mornings. There we That's are. That's better. better. All right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, I think this is this is what we get for spring. That's fine. We got some sun. It's uh, like fifty, uh, and uh, I'm not going to complain anymore. That's just sort of uh, what it is, and 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 we move forward. So uh, welcome, and, and as uh, Peggy said, uh, happy Earth Day. Uh, even if you're listening elsewhere, if you're listening to a podcast of this and uh, you missed Earth Day, well, you know, look look at it this way: it's Earth Day today, Earth uh, Week, and, and Earth Week, right? And every day should be Earth Day on this planet. You should you should always be doing something that uh, leaves the place in better shape than when you, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, isn't that sort of like the, the, the Boy Scout and the Girl Scouts motto? 
leave it the the area in better shape than you found it. Uh, and 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 farmers should try to do that too with their soil. And and I would think homeowners should do the same thing with their little plot of land and with your with your lawns and your trash and your recycling exactly and your food waste and so, your everything. And if you miss Earth Day, the exact day, uh, which is April twenty second. Heck, I missed four twenty the other day. I just missed it totally, and and it was gone. And and Oof, uh, gone. on on, on four twenty one, I said, "Well, wait a second. How did I miss four twenty? Man, it just went <laughs> so." But you can celebrate twelve four twenty <laughs> any day. Okay, I'm just telling you, you can you can do that. So welcome to the show, and uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun today. Um, we got some great guests, starting with uh, this wonderful book. Yeah. Grow what you love. Twelve yeah, up for the... food plant. Oh, that's right. We are on Facebook Live. We're on Facebook Live. By the way, you and... can go to the Mike Novak Show or fifteen ninety WCGO and and comment along. Yeah, uh, you probably heard uh, our buddy Mike Jackson, who was here earlier on Facebook Live as well. Uh, and um, the book is "Grow What You Love: Twelve Food Plant Families to Change Your Life" by Emily Murphy, and she is standing by uh, two hours earlier in uh, an, drinking her coffee in in another on another planet somewhere the planet of California uh, so uh, we will we will get to her in a second uh, and then uh, later in the show today we're very pleased to have a couple of alder critters here alder critters uh yeah that's that's what uh but uh, Jim Hightower always calls con- he calls them Congress critters, so I call them Alder critters. Uh, and, uh, and, and and with all due respect, if uh, if uh, Michelle Smith or Scott Wagisback is listening right now, uh, they're going to be here. The uh, both of the aldermen will be here in the studio. No, no, I mean she will be in the studio, and, and Scott will be on the phone and talking about a very interesting development in Chicago. On the north side, the near northwest side of the city, the uh, proposed North Branch Park and Nature Preserve. Um, and uh, this is it's controversial because this is a, an area where uh, the the city has uh, a lot of industry. And now the idea is, what do we do if we try to bring in people? <laughs> And can we bring in thousands na- and thousands uh, th- of people. like fifty five thousand people? Can we bring those in? Yikes! And can we have some nature along the river too? Uh, also, Jen Walling from the Illinois Environmental Council is here today. We're talking about a very bad law about to pass in uh, Springfield. So stick around. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. When's the last time you made a deposit in your ecosystem savings account? What I mean is that native plants are an investment in the future. They help to provide clean water, clean air, sequester carbon, mitigate climate change, and more. All of which have a major economic impact on global commerce and health impacts on humans, even in your own backyard. Natural Communities Native Plants can help you enrich yourself and the world around you. For starters, they have the largest selection of native plants, shrubs, and trees in the Midwest. And if this is the year you ditch that turf lawn for a native alternative, they offer low-mo lawn blends, sedge lawn kits, or knee-high meadows if you're feeling really brave. They even have native garden kits for beginners. You can take it to the bank. The birds, bees, butterflies, and other critters will think you're a financial genius. Go to naturalcommunities.net. Naturalcommunities.net. 
You can now enjoy local food all season long at Winter Farmers Markets, hosted by many different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April. Your purchase of local, sustainably produced food helps support regional farmers. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of diverse faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule and to learn more, go to faithinplace.org. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, uh, and uh, let's uh, go right away out to California, where it's two hours earlier, and where we have our guest standing by on the Skype machine, and that's Emily Murphy. Good morning, Emily. Uh, Emily is the author of a new book, Grow What You Love, 12 Food Plant Families to Change Your Life. She's an organic gardener and blogger and mom, right? I am. I'm a mom, too. And how else would you describe yourself, really? Well, I um, am a writer primarily at the moment because I've spent so much time working on this book. But um, I teach organic gardening. Mm -hmm. I have uh, worked in school gardens. Um, I'm a garden designer. I do any number of things in the growing and garden world. Okay. And you're a blogger. And I'm a blogger. I have a blog. It's called Pass the Pistol. It's P-I-S-T-I-L is in part of a flower. And I started that about seven or eight years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and you know, I have to start with, with the book. The book, by the way, you said you, you spent a lot of time putting this together, and you can tell because it's a, it's a really lovely book. Um, and yeah. it's published by Firefly. And I'm not familiar with Firefly. I, you know, I am familiar with some of the American. There's Cool Springs Press, and there's... Uh, Timber Press Press. and a lot of the people who do these kinds of publications. Who's Firefly? Firefly is a publisher out of Toronto. And actually, you know, it's funny because a lot of people say, oh, I haven't heard of Firefly. But at one point, I think in the 80s, they were the number one publisher of garden books, uh, at least for a little while. And they sort of got out of that. And they're they're a nonfiction publisher. Mm -hmm. And they're not too big and not too small. And and they're... (laughs) Really, a lovely company to They're work for. Just right. Just right. Just right for me. Okay, good. Uh, and uh, so, how long did it take you p- to put this book together? You've been, you, you say you've been working on it for a while, huh? I've, I've been working on it for a while. I've been I've been working with the ideas for for a number of years, and my other writing on the blog, and then the book itself. I probably I signed my contract in November, and I turned in my manuscript in February. Uh, so it was about four months of writing the manuscript and then, another, oh, come on. Probably, that's, I'm sorry. That's nothing. 
I'm not, that's, that's <laughs> nothing. Four months. Oh, come on. That it takes me sometimes four months to just do a, a blog for, for the radio show. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, people that go on, do this for years. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised then that this went this quickly because it's such a, uh, a lovely book and was so well done. Thank you so much. I, I have to say that it was a crazy four months. I worked every day um, on the writing. And mm-hmm. as I was writing, I, I created a shot list for all the images that I didn't yet have that I wanted to go along with each of the um, each of each bit of copy, each chapter. So I also worked very hard on the photography, some of which I had accumulated before and, and some of which I took specifically for the book. Yeah, you've got some great photos in here. I lo- okay, the, you've got the, my favorite photo in the whole book, and I'm sure it's ah. everybody's. Uh, is that a salamander? I don't know if people can see it. Yeah, that is a salamander, and that salamander. Oh. Wait, wait, uh, what all right, all right. Just... <laughs> He's playing with the uh, the camera shots. Let's get that uh, the salamander okay. shot up there. Uh, you'll find Peggy's camera. They're we actually they're actually moving the cameras around there. Uh, well, so uh, isn't he cute? Uh, he's just the best. So who took that photo? I took that photo, and um, if you look through the book, you'll find that there are three gardens. There's the community garden, there's the deck garden, and there's a garden that I call the knoll. And the knoll garden is this garden that's sort of tucked away, and it's a garden that I adopted that I'm borrowing from a friend. And that salamander I found in that garden when I was digging out all the soil uh, to replace – actually, I didn't replace the soil, but I put in some gopher wire underneath the, the raised beds to protect from animals coming in from voles and gophers. And when all the soil was coming out, that's when I found that salamander. That's – that is your book and your message in microcosm, actually, your salamander, because the salamander is so vulnerable and looks so vulnerable, and it's hard to see. It, it sort of blends in with it, and you can only find it if you're looking, if you're paying attention to what's going on around you. And, that, that, and I think that's kind of a metaphor for what you're doing, because you talk about your, your love of the earth, and it is, you know, the word love is is in the title of the book, uh, but you don't you don't stop and see that salamander if you're moving uh, thirty miles a minute. Um, it's just uh, you, you have to slow down and take your time to see something like that. Wouldn't you agree? I would completely agree, and thanks so much for saying that because that is very much the message that I was hoping that would come through in the book. So the book is very much a book about, you know, growing your own food and the how-tos of growing your own food and it has recipes and the photography we're talking about. But hidden between those lines is really this deeper message of of finding joy in the simple things. And as you said, taking time to slow down and, and look a little more closely. And our gardens can help uh, teach us to see, just like photography can can teach us to see. Uh, and, and it's really something that's quite special that you only get when you slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I'd seen a salamander in my garden. I've never seen a salamander in my garden or my community garden, but I'm smack dab in the middle of the city. Oh, uh, but you do see earthworms. And uh, yeah, we see, and... well, you know, and I see uh, grubs the size of baseballs and things like that, but uh, not necessarily salamanders. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about, about the stuff you grow and, 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 your, and your book. Um, and, uh, I was kind of interested because, you know, like a lot of books, 
like this, uh, you you have the list of plants that are the ones you think people should grow that are your favorites. And you start with herbs and you start with basil. Nobody starts a book with basil, okay? That's almost <laughs> <laughs> that's almost never the first plant that you tell people they should grow. And yet it's numero uno here in your book. And bravo. No one actually starts with basil in a book. I guess I haven't actually gone through and indexed that or cataloged that. But now that you say that, I, I think I, I did something really wonderful because when you think about the foods that matter most and the plants that matter most, they're the ones that are packed with the most flavor. And basil is one of those plants that not only is it easy to grow, you can grow it from seed, you can buy mm-hmm. starts at your nursery. Uh, it has a fabulous fragrance. It's a little bit, um, has some natural pest control. So it's a great companion plant. And then if you do let it go to flower, then it's also a pollinator favorite, um, a bee favorite. And the, the flowers are also edible. Um, so it's just kind of win-win all around it's a fabulous plant well they're also pretty yeah. i mean if you let it go to flower it, it looks nice now you know, that's the thing that you're not supposed to do but why wouldn't you uh as you say it will attract pollinators as well yeah. uh, but but one of the, uh, the 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 tips you mentioned in the book and people should know this is that if you want to keep your basil plant going you got to start pinching pretty early on don't you yeah, you, you pinch and you you can harvest quite a bit of your basil, and you can you can actually grow more basil the more you mm-hmm. harvest your basil, which is pretty cool. Well, I think one of the other your book's very approachable. It's for new gardeners, experienced gardeners, everybody. But one of the things with basil being up there is it's also a gateway herb for people who are learning to cook. So I think you know choice wise, how to start your garden with an easy plant, how to start growing things that you're going to be able to cook with that you love too. Right, right. The plants that make the biggest difference every day in the kitchen. Absolutely. So what, what would you add to that? Because you start with herbs. You're, you're the person who says, plant your herbs first because you get the biggest bang for your buck from, from an herb. And you're right because, all right, let's look at potatoes. You're going to take up a lot of space. with. I love potatoes. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love, grow, <laughs> I love growing potatoes. But you need a fair amount of space to, to unless you do it in like a, one of those in, intensive crates that y- you build, and you can you can do it in there and get a lot of potatoes in there. But it's going to take a little space, and if you do tomatoes, they're really going to take mm-hmm. some space. You know how tomatoes are; they want right. they'll grow, overgrow your garage, and then you won't be able to get in. <laughs> and uh, but about herbs, you're saying you can have a little plot. And a couple of plants will last you a long time, and you and and have enough flavor to to spread around for a while, right? That that's right. And and the first chapter is tender herbs, so that's the herbs that are annuals that you can grow from seed or again from starts. And then the second chapter focuses on, or the second chapter I should say, in the plant directory, which is its own section, uh, focuses on perennial herbs. And I've separated them out partly because of their growing conditions and um, how we care for them. And many of those perennial herbs are, are very hardy. They're very frost hardy. Like thyme is, is hardy down to zone about zone four. Although Mm -hmm. I've heard that um, I've, I've talked to people who live in the Northern regions of Canada and they, they grow it in zone two all year round. I mean, or at least it overwinters there and they have it again in the spring to harvest Um, perennial herbs tender herbs, and I focus quite a bit on greens. And um, there are three chapters on greens. There's the 
um, summer greens, winter greens, and then hardy greens. And I've done that like herbs. I've done that because these are the plants that are easy to grow. They're cut and come again in many ways. And you get so much from a small plot of land and you can be picking them every day. And it makes a huge impact on how we live from day to day. It's a real joy, a simple joy. Uh, by the way, that uh, is Emily Murphy, and uh, she has just written a book called Grow What You Love, and you can find the website where you can order it uh, at MikeNovak.net. You can find it on my website. But, Emily, if they want to get it directly from you, where do they go? Well, it is available wherever books are sold. Uh, you can find it in your local bookstore. You can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And... Um, and Do you sell it gosh, to yourself from your site or not? I'm not selling it right now from my site. Uh, I, I'm actually, it came out March 1st and it's been a whirlwind since the book came out. I have been traveling, as you know, I was in Chicago for the Chicago Flower Show in right. Toronto, Boston, and I'm, I'm sort of just getting up to speed right now and figuring out what's next. Yeah. Uh, I want to take issue with one of the things you just talked about, and that is the greens. I mean, I, I love gr greens, and the issue I, I want to take is ch uh, not chard because you put that in. What were the three uh, varieties? She had those and more of the, uh, the 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 hardy greens. Hardy greens. You had you had like spring, summer, and hardy, right? Yeah, I did. And and, I, I and, did. and you put uh, um, kale in the summer, and I would put them in the hardy. Yeah. Because kale, to me, kale is the hardiest green of all. It 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 grows under any conditions. It it sometimes it'll overwinter in my yard. You can grow it well into frost, and sometimes even into freeze. It'll bounce bounce back. I mean, I think kale, and and it's so useful uh, and so good for you that I would have put that in the mm -hmm. hardy greens myself. Yeah, it's it's actually in winter greens. Oh, but in winter. I, okay, you. Okay, I didn't hear you mention the the winter green. I mean, I've I've seen it here, so I'm I'm taking yeah, you. That, at, that's okay. And, and I just didn't want to confuse the the listeners, but um, it's in winter greens, and I agree. Kale is one of those plants that is that can overwinter in a garden, and and I really think it's best for the shoulder seasons and winter, uh, which is why it's in winter greens. And the reason I I put chards and perpetual spinach in in the the hardy green section is because they're heat tolerant and they're they're really flexible so they can manage cold and they can manage heat and they kind of they kind of cross the boundaries mm -hmm. where for me at least and I've grown in um, hardiness zones five and six I used to live in the mountains and then I live now in coastal California so there's this range of, of climates I've grown in. And for me, kale suffers a little bit in summer with summer heat. And I tend yeah. to get aphids. And, ah, and yeah, yeah, that's... yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, we've got yeah. somebody and, on and Facebook and, says bugs eat her kale in the summertime. Oh, well, you know, uh, no, but I was talking about kale being hardy in, yeah. into the winter. But you know what? And I was just looking here, and you're right. You you, <laughs> you have it under, <laughs> I got it wrong. You have it under winter, which, which makes total sense uh, for kale because uh, it does uh, do so well there. You also you mentioned that that's the the part of the book uh, that has the plants, but you also give us some advice, um, and it's basic advice and good advice about growing organic. Uh, in a nutshell, how would you describe your organic techniques? For me, my organic techniques start with the soil, and 
by help uh, cultivating healthy soil and by really feeding that soil ecosystem, like that salamander we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier, um, that immediately gives our gardens the best opportunity to thrive. And, uh, and if you use chemicals of any kind, pesticides or herbicides, you're of course going to then affect that soil ecosystem, which then immediately impacts the plants we grow. And there's a saying that says, what is above, so too below. It's a horticultural saying, or maybe, maybe you can correct me, maybe it's the other way, maybe it's what is below, so too above. And what we see in our gardens is really a reflection of what's happening underground. And so when we take care of our soil, we take care of our gardens. And, and uh, uh, the most important part of that, of course, is not using any chemicals because that interrupts that soil ecosystem. Those animals we can see, like salamanders, and organisms we can't see, like fungi and bacteria. And then, of course, to, to companion plant, which my favorite, one of my favorite chapters in the book is companion planting and edible flowers. I'll tell you and, what, I'll tell you what, hold that thought because we have okay. to take a short break here. And yes, uh, I think a lot of people are very interested in companion planting, mm -hmm. and I'd love to get your impression of that. And I want to, and, and I think we've just established a new saying, healthy soil, healthy plants, healthy salamanders. Bingo, that says it all, right? <laughs> yeah? Okay. <laughs> that, that's Emily Murphy, the author of Grow What You Love. This is the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More about this terrific book when we come back. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing Products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. It's plant sale time, and here's the wonderful news. Wherever you live in the Chicago area, there's a plant sale near you that includes a large variety of native plants. Now, we can't list them all here, but we want you to know there's a great place to find all the local sales. Go to chicagolivingcorridors.org for a comprehensive list, or just go to mikenovak.net and click on the plant sale link. Some sales have pre-order requirements. Go native or go home. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at MikeNow. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80.
Okay, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And I think um, I think I might have just lost. Uh, I know you're there, uh, Emily, but I switched something on the board because I needed the CD player to come up. Uh, so I'm going to have to switch it back here. Let's see if I can do that and bring your fader back up. Let's do that. Okay. Oop, there we go. Now I can bring your fader back up. There you are. Uh, <laughs> we have do our, we, do our, we have her? Uh, do we have you, Emily? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, yeah we got you. Okay. We were going to do a contest because we want to give away one of these terrific books. It's Grow What You Love by Emily Murphy. And uh, the question is, and it's really simple. Uh, when you talk about tomatoes, in terms of size, there's two categories. And uh, what are the two categories? And if you call us at 877-711-5611, or if you just type into the Mike Novak Show on Facebook, or if you tweet, and the handle is at Mike Now, M-I-K-E-N-O-W, first one we see. Mm-hmm. Or if they are following the show on 1590 WCGO on Facebook, you can put it there, too. Ah, uh, who cares? <laughs> Oh, yes. I mean, yes, if you're doing that, too. Well, because I have to try to find it on both I know, pages. I know. You can't find it. It's a problem. We've got so many sources here, uh, it might be tough yeah, to find. So, so there's two, you two know, varieties of... Two kinds of tomatoes uh, that... Uh, I wouldn't say varieties, because then you get people into... Yeah, you know, we're not talking Roma. Nope, we're talking size. Uh, and uh, and uh, uh, And what are they called? And it's really simple. It's what we talk about all the time. So... Give us a holler, and we'll send you a copy of this terrific book. Now, you mentioned something earlier. Uh, all right, well, we'll get... And big and small is not the answer, Ron Cowgill. No, doesn't work, Ron. <laughs> Thanks for playing our game, Ron. Let's go to the companion plants you were talking about before. To some degree, for, for, for all right, this is a something that goes back a long time in, in the gardening world. People talk about plants that work with other plants. And then now then the scientists come out and say, well, we can we can debunk that and tell you that some of these things work and maybe they maybe others do. And and but you you truly believe in companion planting, right? Well, I believe in in companion planting in the sense that um, when we when we grow flowers, when we grow flowering plants, when we grow plants of different scents and fragrances together and we build diversity into our gardens that's when we really come up with a recipe for a thriving garden. Okay. And uh, so it, I'm not necessarily one that prescribes to, um, you know, the, car- the carrots love but, tomatoes, that, that whole thing. What's that? The, the carrots love tomatoes that, you yeah. know, or, or what is it? Um, some people say corn doesn't love beans or, or that sort of thing so much as, as I do always plant basil next to my tomato and mm-hmm. next to my tomatoes. And, and I, I do that because I've had so much success with, with that particular plant. Well, okay. Talk, talk about what, did, what does success mean to you? What, what makes you think that you, that your tomatoes are better because of the basil and is the basil better because of the tomatoes? I know it, it could be either way. And, and I, I think for me in my garden, that planting the basil near the tomatoes helps a little bit with uh, with the basil getting a little bit of afternoon shade when it can be really intense, which I know basil loves full sun, but I also mm-hmm. feel like my, the basil in my garden maybe doesn't bolt as quickly and, and it just seems to hold on a little longer uh, without me having to, to pinch it back quite as hard or, or I can grow it um, a little bushier in between harvests. And 
I it's just a combination that I I, I don't know. I think I, I enjoy it too because I can harvest them together. And what, I know they're together. Yeah, what does a tomato get from the basil? Well, <clears throat> some people say that tomatoes taste better when they're grown next to basil. And um, that could be true. And sometimes I think that's true, but I also haven't tested it scientifically. <laughs> and, 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 and then, you know, they both have completely different fragrances. And so when you think about a garden as this, this sort of abundance of fragrance and, and the fact that many, many insects, many plant-loving insects, you know, the pests in our garden, the bad bugs that come and eat our plants, they, many of those plants actually find their host plant or the plant they want to eat or lay their eggs on, whatever it might be, um, through fragrance and through scent. Mm-hmm. And so when we mix up those scents, then we're actually decreasing uh, the amount of or the problems we might have with pests. Right, you got to you got to keep them off balance. A little bit of biodiversity never hurt, and and that's actually one of the things you say in the in the book that you like the idea of mixing things up. Where uh, you you talk about the, the sense of gratification you have by seeing things planted in rows, but it's not necessarily what you have to do to be successful as a as a vegetable gardener. Right. Let a little chaos come in and then you might actually have benefits from a, a tiny bit of chaos and it doesn't need to be complete chaos. Um, your garden can still be tidy, but uh, it does. Your garden does benefit. Your plants benefit from a, a mixture of, of flowers and vegetables and also mixing those up. Of course, considering the height of a plant, I think I talk about that as well, interplanting, where you're really thinking about the maturation times of plants and the heights of plants and how, how those fit together. So you wouldn't grow your giant sunflowers on the south side of your garden because they block the sun from, right. from the other side of your garden. Well, no, you're talking about really practical stuff, and that's imp- and, I, and, I, and I think that's the stuff that people miss in general. Uh, they're not, and it's hard for a new gardener to understand that as, because you're talking, as you know, growing anything is, is four-dimensional because it also involves time. And, you, and, and not, not T-H-Y-M-E, but T-I-M-E. And it means that you have to know what starts when and finishes when. And certainly in terms of vegetables, uh, as you mentioned, lettuces uh, that you'll start in the spring, if they're next to a plant that's a little bit larger and they get some shade in the summer, it'll extend their life a little bit. And it's really practical advice, but it's something that a new gardener isn't going to know at all is not going to figure yeah. it out and might not figure it out until somebody tells them and they read it in a book like yours. Or plants a different variety that branches much further out than, say, some of the kales are very vertical and some go very far off to the side. That's true. That's true. Like like the dino kales, the Tuscan mm-hmm. kale, um, grows, grows kind of like a little tree, right? And then you can get the, um, yeah, the- uh, what is it? There's some kales that are very, very wide. Well, red, uh, the red Russian kale. Yeah, the Russian that. kales are going to branch out a lot. And if someone's right. only grown the dinosaur kale, they're not going to necessarily know that you can't plant under it because it'll get shaded eventually. And, and, and it'll be hard to water, yeah. too. And, and as you and know, and, and, and all that stuff. Uh, I mean, and that's another thing you talk about is be, being careful about watering, which when we had our community garden in our neighborhood, one of the things we taught the kids was, uh, when you go fill up the jug, the milk, ju- the 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 used milk jug, <laughs> at the rain barrel, you then come and you pour it at the base of the plant and water the roots. Uh, and 
what kids love and what adults love too, and I'm sorry, adults do this too, is they love the hose and they put it on like the widest spray possible. Oh. Yeah, and right, exactly. They're going, you got to see what Emily's doing. She's going, yeah. and they're spreading it around, and they do it for like five minutes after and they, dinner usually. And they think they've watered. <laughs> they think they've watered their plants. Uh, you could it, nothing could be further from the truth. You probably the only thing you've done is harm your plants at that point because of the what it does to the leaves and the fact that you're not really getting water to the ground. So the thing you talk about in in, in the book is how to water and what what advice would you give people? Well, I would just follow up with what you just what you were just covering, which is you know water at the soil level, and we do that for a number of reasons. Uh, first, because of course you want the water to get to the root zone, and you want that root zone. Um, you want that. You want those roots to run deep, and you want them to travel far. Because again, the healthier the roots, the healthier your plants. And when you water at the root zone or water at soil level, it's more likely to happen. And then also, there's there's many um, diseases um, that are transferred by water or the splashing of water and rainfall and water that that comes from overhead. And so, when you water at the root root, root zone, you minimize. Um, the transfer of those natural soil pathogens or other diseases that could be airborne. So those are two simple things that to keep in mind. And of course, then if you water at night, then your plant leaves don't have time to dry out before it gets mm. cooler. And so watering <laughs> in the morning is better. And I don't know. I'm usually out about 2 a.m. and just uh, <laughs> watering. Some people, that's, that's all they have in their schedule is, is they can get out there in 2 a.m. But it's so that's another really good reason to get to the to the soil and, and not overhead. Um, the other thing I notice about the book that's really fascinating to me is that you don't do it necessarily in the order you would do a book. Uh, and you're, you're smiling cause you like the fact that I caught this. <laughs> oh, you're so happy. I just, I just made her happy and probably she's going to go to her publisher and go, see, I told you. Um, and, uh, and that is, you, you talk in general at the beginning, then you bring in your list of plants, and then you say, now here's how to grow a seed. Normally, you'd find that at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. Why is that at the end of the book? Well, I think, and, and this goes back to adults versus kids or adults in general, I think as adults, we fall in love with the plants first and what the plants offer us. So it's like the, the product. We fall in love with the end idea of what we would have. And those are the plants, really. And, and I, I do, I think as you garden, of course, you create, create these relationships with plants. And I, and I think I talk about that in the book as well. And, um, and so I really wanted to pull the plants forward because those are the things we fall in love with. And for many people, especially people who are new to gardening, the actual process of growing a garden is really, really scary. And so let's move the plants forward. Let's fall in love with the idea of this process. And then let's get into the process itself. And I found that most gardening books, all gardening books I've seen, the plant directory is small. It's at the back of the book. It's sort of like an afterthought. And it's or the appendix. You know, it's just sort of like, okay, and here are the plants. And um, I was actually advocating for the plant directory to be first. <laughs> and we, we, we compromised. And it's basically the centerfold of the book, that center heart of the book. And I love it. Well, congratulations on a lovely book. Again, Grow What You Love, 12 Food Plant Families to Change Your Life. You can get it wherever good books are sold. Uh, you can go to my website, MikeNovak.net. I've got links to uh, all of it. You can take a look at it. And, and, and check out Emily's blog. Check out the what's blog. What's your blog? 
Passthepistil.com, P-I-S-T-I-L. P-I-S-T-I-L.com. Emily, thank you so much. Have a great uh, Earth Day. Happy Earth Day to you. Thank you. Happy Earth Day. Even nature needs a night out. The Evanston Green Ball is now nature's night out, and it's a celebration of all things green. Be part of this event to benefit the Evanston Ecology Center on May 18th from 7 to 10.30 p.m. at 2024 McCormick Boulevard in Evanston. Fantastic food and beer, a DJ, cool eco-raffle prizes, beehive tours, and more. Go to evanstonenvironment.org slash party. This is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakening Chicago magazine. And for the past eight years, we've been helping Chicagoans to lead healthier and more sustainable lives. Pick up a copy of Natural Awakenings each month and enjoy new information about health and wellness, local foods, raising healthy kids, helping our environment, and living a more sustainable life. Get your free copy of Natural Awakenings in more than 1,100 locations throughout city and suburbs, or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policies. So it's almost like teaching three classes. The meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. This is your talk. You want to just put in hashtag in any of your social media. Hashtag 1590 WCGO. Evanston, Chicago. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And it's not Blue Monday at all. Out in the street at 6 a.m. And it's only that. And he's out watering his tomatoes. Right, with a hose overhead. <laughs> so uh, that's not going to work. Uh, listen, I got to tell you something uh, uh, on this Earth Day, since we're celebrating uh, various things. Um, uh, one of the ones I want to bring up is, a, is an email that I received. Uh, and I got to make sure, yeah, I've got this up here. I got an email from a friend of mine who is also the photographer for Chicago Land Gardening Magazine. Uh, and he's a terrific photographer, and you should get a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. Go to chicagolandgardening.com, and Ron Kopek, and I, I'm not sure if he pronounces it Kopek or Kapek, you know, and, and I've known him from years, but I don't know how to pronounce his last name. There you go. But uh, great guy, terrific photographer, and does some wonderful stuff for the magazine, has done it forever, and uh, sent me an email. And here's the email. Hi, Mike. I have been enjoying your radio program for many years, no matter when and where it shows up. You remain the only revolutionary, environmentally friendly voice on our airwaves. That deserves a ding. Give that a ding. Thank you. 30 years ago, 
we bought a print from an artist who paints whimsical, imaginative animals. He also has a polka band in Milwaukee. Wow, there's a combo. (laughs) One of their iconic creations I found delightful. You are the only other person I know that might enjoy it. I finally got a CD from him and learned how to make an email audio file. I hope I have not overestimated your musical taste. Thank you for your or for the years of work trying to save the world. You know, and it's a lonely job here trying to save the world. However, I have to play a little bit of what he sent me simply so you understand what he's talking about uh, when, um, well, let's just play this. Now, this doesn't sound much like a polka band to me. Uh, This is like Preservation Hall Jazz Band. Still, they're really good, but the best part is coming up, so here it goes. I went up to Milwaukee to see my baby there. She worked out on Jones Island. Her aroma was so rare. It seems the fertilizer is the tantalizer that keeps me coming back for more. I got those old Milwaukee Bag them up, Milorganite Blue <laughs> I got those old Milwaukee Bag them up, Milorganite Blues That is just awesome <laughs> And Ron, thank you so much for that I'm going to be playing that as a bump There's, there's other... Um, uh, there are verses there that I'm going to throw in from time to time, and they're all just as precious <laughs> as as that one. So, uh, Ron, thank you so much. And again, folks, uh, if you want to see his work, go to ChicagolandGardening.com. Get a subscription to the magazine. If you're a gardener in the Chicago region, you you need to have that. And uh, and we will be playing uh, the Malorganite Blues from, <laughs> from time to time right here on the show. So. There you go. And it is Earth Day, and, and, and I know you found a couple. One of the things i got to r- remind folks of, is, and I, I, I was out yesterday at uh, the Logan Square Public Library, um, s- standing around answering gardening questions. It was stump the mic uh, at, the, at the garden. <laughs> what kind of questions did you get? They, okay. For instance, well, I did get lawn care questions, okay. and so that's, that's, that's in my wheelhouse. I'm like, yeah, here's and, – and to their credit, Every single person who came up to me said, I don't want to use harsh chemicals. How do I get rid of this, this dandelions, Mm -hmm. creeping Charlie, whatever. And most of them, uh, if I when you ask questions like that and you move forward uh, in the conversation, you realize they haven't been paying attention to their lawn for years. It's and it's and, 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 and that's the truth. Creeping Charlie dandelions don't pop up overnight. I mean, it, it seems like they do, but when you're talking about it taking over your lawn or your backyard or whatever, that come on. It takes a while. Yeah. You you haven't been paying attention for a while. And you, I know how that works. You walk out the back door and you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, I'll get to that eventually. And then you don't. 
and then 10 years down the road. It's grabbing you by the ankle as you it, walk through Exactly. It. And so you go to the garden guy and you say, hey, how do I get rid of this? And I know the understated or the unstated part of that question. The unstated part of that question is, how do I get rid of it by tomorrow? And I uh-huh. just tell people, I'm not playing that game with you. I'm not playing that game. I'll tell you how to do it right, and which is core air rate and uh, add compost and overseed. Don't forget, y- you know, you're, you're, you've got a lot of weeds because you don't have enough grass. If that's what you want, if that's what you want. The, the other thing I'll say is buy some native plants and put in sedges and put in something else. Don't have a lawn. There's, there's other ways you can go. Um, and, and that's in my yard and a lot of yards slowly, but surely the, the lawn is disappearing. Um, yeah, although I like, I, I like, have no back lawn anymore. It's well, I know that you don't have that at all. So that's, it's, but that's, it slowly has disappeared over time. Um, I can't even imagine why you had a lawn because you had so much shade there, but now you don't have all that shade. So anyway, that the lawn questions came up. One of them was, about, was about a pussy willow. And I spent like most of the four hours trying to figure out this one question about uh, pussy willows. And, and the idea was that some a friend had given her a pussy willow stem and said, put it in the ground. And the question revolved around, the, the, her friend said, put it in the ground right now. At the end of the season, mm-hmm. prune it so that next year the you will get more branches and then you'll have more pussy will now if you know understand anything about willow they root very easily you can take a stem and just jam it in water in the ground or you can put it in water and you'll see the roots come um and the question became prune it at the end of this year or it's spring next year because what they do is they they form the catkins they they uh bloom in late winter early spring and you usually wait until after the catkin is formed and then you prune it so I was looking for a very specific question, which is really hard to do when you're mm-hmm. going online, when you're when you're looking in books. And the question was, I have a twig, a pussy willow, just one twig. I'm going to put it in the ground right now in April. In the fall, should I prune it or should I wait till next spring? And her friend said, no, no, you pruned it in the fall. Everything I read said, no, you wait till next spring to see. And, and if it were me. That's what I would do mm-hmm. because I'm not terrified that in one year it's going to grow out of control. I'll still be able to prune yeah. it. But she was like, no, you got to get the pruning going early. And I'm thinking I would rather see over the winter how the brand new plant does. Yeah, does Re- it survive? The does winter? it survive? And why would I prune it now? So that that was the kind, you know, I spent like four hours trying to figure <laughs> that out. Um, and there were and there was a plant ID and I mm-hmm. downloaded some ID apps trying to do. I mean, this is this is what master gardeners do when they go to these kinds of events. They they stand there and they answer these kinds of questions. So that yeah, that was that was my and I was cold. It was cold and I kept I wandered into the library and they shushed me because I was very loud. I forgot <laughs> I was in a library. Um, <laughs> this this is my life. Welcome to my life. So did you have, did you have something else? Did you? You were going to say, oh, we were going to say real quick, did you have, no, we've got a break coming up. We've got a break. That's okay. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the second hour, because coming up, we have, uh, oh, I'm very, very excited to have a couple of uh, aldermen. Uh, Alder Critters. Yeah, Alder Critters, as I said, uh, Alderman Michelle Smith from the 43rd Ward, Alderman Scott Wagaspak from the 32nd Ward. We're going to be talking about the proposed North Branch Park and Nature Preserve coming up. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. 
Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Warp. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. Aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-A new secure line has been opened for communication. 877-711-5611. Now please make enjoy for second hour capitalist radio. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All right, somebody says too much coffee here. See, that's why I'm standing. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy and Leggy. Live on Facebook. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter. And even Instagram. And, well, maybe we'll look at Instagram. And podcasts always at MikeNovak.net. We had somebody write to me just the other day, said, hey, I'm out of town. Can I catch the podcast? Well, of course. Calm down. Yeah. Calm down. It's and, all there. And if you go and check out the more than 300-something podcasts on MikeNovak.net. <laughs> no, please don't. No, but please, uh, please, or, or some please of them. leave I mean, us sure, some. Why please not? leave us some likes. And yes, give us some uh, ratings. That, that's a great idea. Yeah, or and, check and them out on I, iTunes. If you go to iTunes, there's like 300 of them up. I think that must be their limit because the, I never bump over that. So I think that's the most that iTunes. So I've been doing this a long time, and iTunes has got 300 of my podcasts. It's just insane. Uh, we're very pleased to have in the studio with us Alderman Michelle Smith from the 43rd Ward in Chicago, and on the phone. Let's uh, let's get him. Are you ready for that uh, sonar? There we go. Alderman Scott Wagesback from the 32nd Ward. Scott, are you there? I am, Mike and Peggy. How are you doing today? Great. It's good to have good you uh, on board. I know that uh, you're on soccer duty here today. How did that? Has that gone already, or is it about to go? No, we're going in a little bit. But uh, I've got time to talk uh, green space with you guys on Earth Day. Well, Great. you know, if that's you... why we've got Michelle on the studio with you. This is her first time, so I think she's going to enjoy it. You didn't want to get in the way and, and, and dazzle her with how much you know about being live on radio in our own studio. Right, Scott? <laughs> uh, Scott gave me a little heads up. Uh, oh, what? Uh, now Uh-oh. I'm afraid. I'm very afraid of what he might have said. She's laughing, too. Um, and... Uh, before we get to that, uh, one of the things uh, when Michelle walked in the studio, we handed her these cards that uh, Peggy and I uh, put together because we're working on the 2018 version of the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Um, and uh, Alderman Wagesback, uh, we need to get you some of these cards, too, to put in your office. Uh, Michelle's going to walk out of here with the cards. Uh, as you know, we started this last year, the first uh, set of awards for Chicago Gardeners. If you're a Chicago gardener, you need to be out there. Uh, well, it, 
Not yet. I mean, now you can't start. It, I think the the, yeah. che- the well, checkered well, flag th- was just waved this past weekend when it finally got warm. And you're out there staring at the ground going, is anything coming up? Yeah, right, exactly. Oh, my goodness. Everything. I, I took a couple of photos of a tree in my yard that last year bloomed on March 9th. Okay, so we're, we're April 20th. That's how far b- behind we are this year. Uh, but the awards are coming up anyway. You can register at chicagogardeningawards.org. Uh, and uh, you've got until June 20th, so don't don't panic or anything. Uh, and then the awards, we will give them out in uh, uh, October. October. We have a ceremony at uh, the Garfield Park Conservatory, and it's going to be really fun, and there's a lot of great organizations behind this. And so I wanted to remind you about that, Scott, and Michelle. I'm going to hand her some of these and, uh, and, and our listeners as well who are gardeners in Chicago. Now, uh, we have you guys here because... The the two of you, uh, and we're going to need to break in just a couple of minutes, but I want to get this started and get it rolling. Big things are about to happen on the north side. They the, sure are. Yeah, the industrial corridor, North Branch Industrial Corridor. Um, maybe, Michelle, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, the, there, is, uh, there are plans afoot to change it, but they... In uh, last year, the, the city council voted to approve what the, the, the planning commission approved uh, in May of last year. So this has been going on for a while. But now we're getting to the point where we were looking at the area and uh, the developers who want to, you know, who are rubbing their hands and saying, oh, wow, we can't wait to get our hands on it. And, and, it's, and if I may interpret it in my way, say that you and Scott are saying, hold on, hold on. Great. We love development. We love money coming in the city, but we also need open space. Yes. The, the north branch of the Chicago River is poised to become a huge new community mm-hmm. of over 50,000 people, wow. pretty much on New Ward. And the city's plans for this quarter do not include significant contiguous open space. There's very few plans in the uh, north branch industrial quarter to actually provide park space for people to recreate, Mm -hmm. enjoy the river, and have it be available to all Chicagoans. And as you say, contiguous. Contiguous open space. The plans that the city put together last May only called for a patchwork of small lookouts Mm -hmm. uh, along with a 30-foot wide setback, which is big enough for a bike lane, but you can't throw a Frisbee or Mm -hmm. play ball or really enjoy the river from 30 feet away. Well, or, or avoid traffic of runners and bikers. Runners and bikers. Even that, yes. Well, I, I would liken it to the river walk where we finally got smart after, what, uh, 150 years and said, you know what? We should let people uh, enjoy the river instead of putting roads and and concrete right up to the edge of it and now we have a sliver of land and everybody's going yay that's great we can do much better than that yes we can and Mm -hmm. because this is no longer the river walk is really is tremendous and all you could do in a dense urban environment now you're in developments that are in between communities and that community should have a chance to access Okay, uh, that is Michelle Smith, Alderman from the 43rd Ward. Scott Wagusback from the 32nd Ward is standing by on the phone. More of this conversation. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back. Once upon a time, oh, like maybe two years ago, it was really hard to buy native plants locally, but not anymore. It's plant sale time, and here's the wonderful news. Wherever you live in the Chicago area, there's a plant sale near you that includes a large variety of native plants. 
Now, we can't list them all here, but we want you to know there's a great place to find the local sales. Go to chicagolivingcorridors.org for a comprehensive list, or just go to mikenovak.net and click on the plant sale link. Go native or go home. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at restorethenorthshore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Did you know that today is taking native plant to lunch day? Well, every day is when you grow plants from natural communities' native plants. This year, you can get your hands on hard-to-find edibles like wild leeks and golden seal instead of stealing them from forest preserves, which is illegal, and a whole forest of permaculture shrubs and fruit trees like service berries, pawpaw, and persimmon, and nut trees like pecan, hazelnut, and walnut. They even carry wild strawberries and other native fruits. Natural Communities has the largest selection of native plants, shrubs, and trees in the Midwest. They even have native garden kits for beginners. And they're happy to provide you with education about sustainability to help you succeed. It was never so easy to make a positive difference in the world around you, even if you're a foodie. Don't just get back to nature, create it in your own backyard. Go to naturalcommunities.net. Naturalcommunities.net. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. I think about this song, Stand, uh, okay, let's stand on Cortland Avenue west of the river and look east. And They won't be able to turn north, east, or west. Right, you'll be standing. You'll be just be standing. In here, traffic. In traffic. Uh, see, in, in, the problem is, uh, and I think you said it uh, very well, uh, Michelle, uh, Alderman Michelle Smith, that um, we're creating basically a new ward out of thin air and plopping it down in the middle of Chicago, and we need to figure out what the infrastructure is going to be like. Um, and this park idea is just part of it. It's just part of it. So let's go to Scott Wagusback on the phone from the 32nd Ward, um, and uh, maybe you can give us a little perspective about how you guys came together to look at this question of, of open space. Uh, what, what prompted uh, your meeting with Alderman Michelle Smith? Well, I think Michelle had been advocating for additional green space on the east side of the river for quite some time. I think probably, Michelle, since you started as an alderman. And we've been talking about it going back uh, several years with uh, Friends of the River, Open Lands, and many different organizations in the neighborhoods on the north side here who were looking for uh, places to put larger green space. Um not just open space, but green space that's, uh, as Michelle said, contiguous open space. And the 
issue that we've been really pushing for along the river was expanding that setback from 30 feet to 60 feet. Um, I think what we what we were seeing with this uh, dissolution of the North Branch Industrial Corridor was an opportunity to say, look, um, we need a large scale public park. If we're going to put in potentially 50,000 people there or uh, whether they're residents living there, which we have the potential for here, or uh, businesses that bring in that amount of people, you need the the green space. Um, it's essential for that kind of area. And we want to get a commitment from the city to move forward on that. Mm-hmm. So we put this plan together, um, knowing that economic development is going to continue. And I think that's the, the push back that we're getting is that, oh, you guys want to take up green space where there should be development. But I can tell you, if you just look around between Michelle and I and the surrounding aldermen, there is ample uh, development going on. And if we lose this opportunity, we lose it for the next 100 plus years. No, you lose it forever, Scott. Our our, uh, concept here is to capture that space now while we have the chance. I, I, I have to disagree. I think you lose it forever. I, it, I agree with you. We do forever. lose it forever. Yeah, this forever. is the, yeah. the, the site that we're looking at is the last the last piece of contiguous uh, property that is available in the North Branch Corridor. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's the last one. There have already been 45,000 apartments approved at Chicago Avenue. Um, the developer that is uh, immediately adjacent to this property, the Lincoln Yards, is an Amazon applicant, which means that they have a plan that could accommodate 50,000 people every day. And this property that we're talking about is the last piece of available property. And the urban planners who are actually leading this effort say that no world-class city Mm -hmm. would design something that could accommodate 50,000 people without a major public, public park. And that's what's being proposed. And you here. have a world class designer on your team. We do. The designs that oh, are on yeah. our website, North Prince Preserve, are which I bar- and I borrowed a couple of those photographs because or, or, or renderings. Let me put it that way because they're wonderful. Yeah. Yes, Scott just posted them to Facebook. Is a too. guy named Richard Wilson with Smith and Gill. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a city planner, meaning he he plans cities worldwide. He gets it. In addition, he was the planner of the. Uh, Central Area Plan, and he's designing the Pullman National Monument right now. So this is the top, one of the top architecture and design firms in the city, and they, along with the allies in the AIA, the American Institute Mm -hmm. of Architects, the landscape designers of Chicago, uh, Friends of the Chicago River, and many other environmental community and sports allies are saying we need this park. You absolutely. Okay. If you look at the history of our country, uh, it isn't until we get to the 20 late 20th century that we actually start thinking about saving our, our, our waterfront areas for the people. Uh, in the past, it was all industrial and a lot of it had to do with shipping. It's, it's easier moving a boat and so forth. But what happened is those areas got locked up by industry, by gated communities, by big corporations, and the public had no access. Here we have an opportunity to say, nope, this is for the people. We're going to put this in for the people. And if you put one of those little strips in, even even a 60-foot setback, that's small potatoes. It really is small potatoes. It limits access. We say that, you know, the plan that the city put forward call, says that they're offering 60 acres of open space. Well, 25 of it is the uh, 30-foot wide setback for 25 uh, miles, and mm-hmm. 17 of it is underwater in a marsh. 
So uh, we're yeah, saying, almost a joke. Well, yeah, it is, and we're saying that saying that that is the open space is like saying you won the lottery and you're going to get you're going to get your winnings by getting a dollar a year for the mm-hmm. next hundred years. So is the pushback coming mostly from the plans are done already, or is it more the trade off of tax dollars they're not going to get for uh, undeveloped land? I have to say, I don't think either Scott and I can speak for the city because we mm-hmm. really haven't gotten a good answer as to why we can't do it. Well, uh, and, and it's interesting because, uh, as you guys mentioned on your own website, uh, and uh, and and if anybody's reading the papers recently, that both the major newspapers in Chicago have come out and said to Rahm Emanuel, hey, Mayor, hey, Your Honor, um, you're, you're thinking small here. Why are you not talking, thinking about this large space in 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 this section of the city? And and uh, so they're calling him out on it, and that's a good thing because he needs to be thinking in those terms, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Uh, Scott, do you want to address that maybe? Yeah, and I think um, when we met with the Sun-Times and the Chicago Tribune editorial boards, I think they were kind of blown away by these these plans that we put forward, and they obviously agree that this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, I know the mayor came out last week, and he was touting a new Burnham, too, mm-hmm. But again, what Michelle says is that they're they're undercutting or they're watering down um, what could be great potential here for open space. Um, and I think they're doing it really because they are trying to attract Amazon. They're trying to attract other businesses that they want to go into those spaces. And unfortunately, they're putting uh, those businesses ahead of the people in the surrounding areas who you know, a lot of a lot of residents in this area have lived through the industrial era um, for generations, and those generations have, you know, in some places or nearby, uh, sucked in the smog and the and the pollution of, um, you know, the old Finkel site and a lot of the industry That's around here. And as we've been trying to clean it up, we decided that taking this giant leap. Um, which doesn't have to be a giant leap. I mean, the mayor could easily get on board with this and say, you guys are right. You know, this would serve uh, the, the public throughout our city. It will, as Richard has worked with us, it will create these networks that um, connect to Ping Tom Park, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. other parks throughout the city. And Chicago can move up uh, in the ranks of being one of those cities that has the least amount of contiguous green space or parkland to one that is at the top would this would this this uh do that the 24 acres here well the 24 acres would be a significant addition you know we the city touts that uh, their game is to have uh, everyone within a 10 minute walk of a park and they define a park to be anything, yeah. including it's a tot a pretty lot, low bar right it's a low now. bar, a tot right. lot. But truly, yeah. the city's own riverfront plans call for there to be uh, five acres of open space for every thousand uh, residents, and we are uh, far down on that list right now. You can look at uh, the Trust for Public Land puts out statistics, and we're very, we're pretty low for a major city. But really, even more than that, we feel it every day. We have people in in our communities fighting over mm-hmm. where a kid can play a game of ball. And recreation is every bit as important as uh, renaturalizing the river, which this plan also really provides. And the point is we want families to stay in the city. 
But if those people who are in the city don't have places for them to play baseball or soccer, Mm -hmm. well, then what amenity are you providing for them? Mm -hmm. So this plan does all of that with our uh, main alleys, a friend of Chicago River. There's a this vision is for a naturalized area where you could take your kid to fish along the Chicago River. As Mayor Richard J. Daly said many years ago. Are you crazy? Ago, right? what are, are you, you crazy about right. <laughs> what? Exactly. Crazy fishing. It was a big fish. It yeah. was a big fish at the same time to be able to uh, enjoy recreation. Well, along yeah, the river. and it connecting people back to the river that it's not just this dirty bit of water that's well, going and, to the and city. Well, and what it does is it, it pushes the cleanup of the river yes. faster and for, more forward. You have to do that if you're going to have access to the exactly. river. But as Scott said, it's really also a social justice issue because mm-hmm. if we don't do this, the only people who are going to get to look at the river are people who live in uh, but that's already that's already and, the case. That's already right. the case. even along the north branch up in 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 the yeah. neighborhoods north of got to uh, park on a side street and walk to a bridge of, to of see Montrose. It. You know of north of Irving Park. Those are uh, uh, individual homes. You don't have access to that. Come on, it's already closed off to people. Mm-hmm. That's correct. We that's need to why. open something. You're right. Up. Right. Right off of diversity. Yeah. Um, it's been privatized essentially. Um, Look at, and, and what we don't want to see, if you see in the Amazon or Sterling Bay plans, and we want to work with them, but if you see the plans that they've put out there, I mean, they are basically concreting the, the river walk. They're concreting the setback. They're putting pedestrian bridges from one building to another mm-hmm. for, you know, Amazon. All right, all right. That is not what this river ha- can turn. It shouldn't turn out to be that way. You know, in all um, those stories. Uh, there's Scott- that one. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm just going to say the Amazon thing. You, you dropped the word Amazon in there, and this is something that I'm not seeing a lot in this. It's the 800-pound gorilla in the room here because can't can you go to Amazon and say, hey, you guys need to support this this uh, initiative that we're putting together, this proposal? Well, let me put it to you this way. Sterling Bay is on record. Sterling Bay is the owner of the property right. next to us. The developer. A- and they are on record as saying they support they support this plan. They know it's a big amenity. But it, it it is even too much for one developer to undertake. Their site is 46 acres. We're talking about an additional 24 acres for public space. That's why this needs to be a public initiative like all of our great mm-hmm. parks have yeah. been. You know, we built Millennium Park. It cost us $600 million, I think, yeah. or 500 or $600 million. This park can be accomplished for a fraction of that cost. So and, how does the public weigh in? And- and Michelle, uh, Michelle has already worked on this, uh, looking at the different ways to pay for it, too. There's several okay. different funds we can do it from. Yes. So we're not just telling taxpayers, hey, just pony up the money. The money is already there for this. Like from where, Scott? Of it. Well, the, the places are there, – there are a number of development fees that are imposed in this plan in order to be able to build bigger buildings. And those fees go into a fund, uh, the purpose of which is for infrastructure to support the development. Uh, as well as there are tax increment financing districts right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you should start talking TIFs. And, uh, I, I don't like it, but I get to tell you. No, 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 no. Nobody likes it. And yeah. the money's there, and we've known the money's been there forever, and it's never tapped except for whoever, you know, not not the people. It's not the schools. It's it's not it, – it, who knows where that money goes, but it's there. This we know it's be, there. This would be a case well, and, in which and it and helps the people. And I think the, the big thing here is that they're they're recreating the TIF that should be terminating soon for Amazon or for this entire Sterling Bay development. So they're going to get the benefit of a new TIF. Why shouldn't the taxpayers and the public um, 
receive a larger benefit of this as well. And 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 we haven't even addressed, and we got very little time here. And we're, here's what I'm going to suggest: that both of you come back in the studio. We spend an entire hour talking about this because it's too important to let go. But it's it's as if a spaceship is going to land in the city of Chicago with 55,000 people on it. Uh, and if we don't have places for them to go, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be insanity. And we need some open spaces there. Uh, I don't think that the average citizen, certainly on the north side of the city, is aware of the disruption is about to take place. Mm-hmm. I hope that we can talk, spend a minute to talk about our upcoming meeting and mm-hmm. how people yes, can weigh in. Yes, let's do that right now, yes. All right, so tomorrow night, uh, the coalition of 19 organizations that are behind this effort are hosting a public meeting at Little Sisters of the Poor Community Room at 2325 North Lakewood as at 6 o'clock. We encourage everyone to come. Anyone who cares about open space should come and register their feelings. Also, you can go on the website, northbranchparkpreserve.org. There is an email button that you can you can uh, press and give us your name and email and tell us how important this is to you. I've already done that. And you can find all that information at mikenovak.net. Uh, and I urge people to do that. And I urge them to show up tomorrow. Unfortunately, I'm not available, so I'm counting on you to go, Peggy. Uh, I might be there. Okay, good. Uh, and I hope Ellie, uh, who's listening, uh, tweet this out there. Again, the meeting is at uh, the Little Sisters of the Poor, 2325 North Lakewood Avenue. And I hope they're, the, the doors are breaking to get people in. Uh, some 6 p.m. There's parking. 6 to 7.30 p.m., okay? Uh, and, uh, again, the website they can go to to find more information. Is North Branch Park Preserve. Dot O-R-G. And again, uh, that's on my website, MikeNovak.net. It's it's all there. Uh, boy, I wish we had more time. I got so much to say about this, but... We'll get you and Scott in the studio together. That's right. And we will talk because this is going to be ongoing. And we haven't even talked about how uh, Alderman Hopkins, it's going to be in his ward and he's not on board with this. It's like, how does that even happen, folks? Uh, Alderman Hopkins, you're welcome to be on the show, too. Let's all let's sit down. Let's kumbaya. Let's figure this out. We have enough out, microphones. Okay? Yep. All right. Uh, that's it. Thank you so much, Alderman Smith. Thank you so much, Alderman Wagaspak. Go go play some soccer, Scott. Uh, we'll be right back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Stick around. Did you know a typical carrot travels 1,838 miles to reach your dinner table? That's not a sustainable distance, and it's a great reason to consider eating more locally. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Reducing your food miles is one way to lower your carbon footprint and eat more sustainably, which is healthier for the planet and probably for you too. So go to your local farmer's market and get to know your farmers. Consider joining a CSA, Community Supported Agriculture, and get fruits and vegetables fresh from the farm directly. It's also a great way to stimulate local economy. Find a farmer's market or CSA near you by going to localharvest.org. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. 
Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com. Or call 888-265-3600. Boom, 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 boom. I'm gonna shoot you right down. Right off of your feet. Take you home with me. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're cramming a lot of stuff here in the second hour. Boy, a lot of important stuff. Yeah, it really is uh, important stuff. And, uh, you know, happy Earth Day. We're, we're trying to get the word out about various things going on. And this is the way you become engaged. If, if you live in the city of Chicago, uh, uh, go find out about the uh, North Branch Park and Nature Preserve uh, and uh, show up tomorrow night from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Again, Little Sisters of the Poor, 2325 North Lakewood Avenue in Chicago, 60614. Uh, I'm going to make sure I got that information. Well, we're going to tweet it out and Facebook mm-hmm. it out and uh, so folks can show up because we need open space, folks. They can't just plop down. You know, I could... I, I, if I if I go off in a rant, uh, we'll never get Jen on. I know. So let's go to the phone and bring in Jen Walling, the executive director of the uh, Illinois Environmental Council. Uh, Jen, good morning. Good morning, Mike and Peggy. Happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. Yes, thank you so much. You're a busy gal right now because the uh, spring session is happening in Springfield, and so uh, I, I imagine you're splitting your time a lot between Chicago and Springfield. I know I'm home this weekend, but I haven't been in Chicago for two weeks. So <laughs> uh, time to do the laundry. The <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and the reason you're on the show is uh, something you sent me uh, the other week. Uh, and I'll be really honest. I didn't know anything about it until I got information yeah, from, from that- the... After Jen sent it, then I started seeing Sierra Club and, and, and other and, groups. And but... other people. Uh, and it's a bill that is uh, making its way through the General Assembly right now, HB 5293. Could you explain a little bit about that bill, Jen? Absolutely. And this was a late-moving bill that got assigned to committee two weeks ago and um, got out of committee, um, and it could be voted on on the floor. It has to be voted on this week, and it's very likely to pass in the House. But let me tell you what it is. Um, It's a bill that drastically weakens the Endangered Species Protection Board in Illinois. Um, There's two really bad components of it. The worst part about it is that it removes a state permit um, that uh, we use to protect federally endangered species that are in Illinois, and instead will only rely on the feds, which, as you know, is really not good at this time when the federal government is rolling back all sorts of wildlife protections. And so we'll have no control over um, conservation management of federally endangered species that are in Illinois. 
Um, and then it adds two agricultural landowners to the Endangered Species Protection Board, which is a science-based board. Nobody's ever really played with it. It's always been scientists and researchers. Um, and, you know, again, at the federal level, we're seeing all these attacks on science, and this seems like another one to me. Um, and, you know, to bring it back to why, um, the Farm Bureau is really concerned about the monarch being listed as an endangered species, and it's under review right now. I don't think the science is actually there to end it, make it listed as an endangered species, but they're so concerned that they're working now to weaken um, these protections. And it's incredibly dangerous for wildlife in Illinois, and we're working really hard to stop this bill. Uh, it's a really good point, and I don't think people, some folks might not understand why or how the monarch has to do with this, and as you mentioned, Farm Bureau is involved in this. Uh, the monarch has a large territory, uh, and by the way, the uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has uh, a mandate that by June of next year, so we got a year and a couple of months here, they have to make a determination as right. to whether the monarch goes, a monarch butterfly goes on the endangered species list. Now, I've been reading about this for several years. I agree with you. I'm not sure that that's the best way to go. Uh, I'm not sure it's going to happen. Um, but uh, if it does, uh, it would uh, affect a lot of farmers because there's such a wide territory mm-hmm. for the, the monarch. Um so, uh, but it seems to me that this is kind of a preemption deal where uh, it's almost as if this is an excuse using the, the, what, what might or might not happen with the monarch butterfly to say, hey, this is an opportunity for us to weaken some environmental mm-hmm. laws in Illinois. So why don't we jump at that chance? Um, uh, my question to you is, uh, I, I think a lot of people don't think of our, our folks in, in Illinois, it's completely controlled by Democrats. And I don't think if they... I don't think they think of Democrats as being anti-environment. So what's the deal here? Why does it have such support in the General Assembly? Well, I think that, um, you know, the Farm Bureau is a very powerful interest. I mean, as it should be with, with agricultural interests, um, you know, having a lot of, of the state, a lot of uh, economy in the state. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, uh, one of the reasons that it's getting so much traction is the Democrat that is sponsoring it is a far Southern Illinois Democrat. Um, Trump won that Democrat's district in the presidential election. He is under fire. And so um, I think this is being greased to um, help him help the Farm Bureau um, and and go ahead. But I just can't even um, contemplate. There are a number of Democrats that you wouldn't expect um, and suburban Republicans that are committing to vote for this bill. And I think they really need to hear from their constituents because they're being told it's no big deal. It gets rid of a duplicative permit. But what it really does is, um, you know, the federal law looks at whether the endangered species are being protected nationwide. The federal law doesn't care whether endangered species that are uh, federally listed are in Illinois. That's why we really need this this permit. We really mm-hmm. need the ability to oversee these species. Otherwise, you know, we look at, um, you know, getting rid of it and uh, having a law where we're not going to have federally endangered species that are in Illinois because we have no ability to um, conserve it and manage those species. Uh again, we're talking to Jen Walling, the executive director of the Illinois Environmental Council. You talk about 
what how it weakens the law, and part of that's about science. You mentioned this already, but I just want to reiterate that it would take two of the members, that, which right now are are scientists uh, on, on on this board, mm-hmm. and it would replace them with agricultural interests. And that sort mm-hmm. of and and what that does, uh, from what I understand, is remove a large part of the science component of this committee. Is is that the way you look at it? Well. It, it would, um, you know, we'd still have seven members that are able to be naturalists, and they're not, you know, I couldn't have a seat on this board. I don't have the science background to be able to understand this data. Um, and so, you know, despite having, you know, a master's degree in environmental science, this is ecology, it's, it's science. Um, and so it would add um, these two members that uh, could have conflicts of interest, they could be voting on um, economic evidence instead of scientific evidence as required by the law. Um, there's no way to tell. But, and I also think, you know, it has to be um, representatives of the Farm Bureau. The Farm Bureau has stated not only with respect to the monarch not being listed, but they think that the federal endangered species law is broken and don't want to see any more species listed. Right. So I have a lot of concern about that voice being added to the board. Um, and the ability of uh, these folks to be able to really understand scientific evidence. Uh, I'm just shocked that this proposal is moving forward the way that it is. Uh, you make a really good point right there, uh, and I would put it in different words. Uh, what I would say, because I'm the radio guy, <laughs> is that there's a war on the <laughs> there's a war on the Endangered Species Act in this country. Okay, mm-hmm. we know we know that. Mm-hmm. that if you look at, at at Washington, there are forces there that would like to yeah. see the Endangered Species Act go away. Um, which, which, sure, if you don't want bald eagles, knock yourself out. Um, but so one of the ways they could do it is to, uh, weaken it in state by state by state. Uh, the fact that it's actually happening here in Illinois is stunning to me. And I, and I, yes, Yes. and I understand why you're shocked, uh, uh, Jen, because it just seems crazy that, that here in Illinois that would happen. But, uh, it, it's not just the, 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 the composition of the group, but uh, some of the other provisions of this bill that are very, very bad. Um, let's uh, let's take a phone call. Uh, let's let's go to the phone line. It's uh, Lewis. I understand. Well, Lewis, where are you from? Yeah. Hi, uh, Mike. Uh, I'm, I'm calling from Manistique, Michigan. I'm retired. But originally I, I lived about a mile or two from you in Detroit. Uh, yes. I've been down to Detroit. I've been down to Detroit recently and. Their green walk along the river is just phenomenal. Um, I don't know what it goes for, four or five miles all the way to the Belle Isle Bridge. And I love Chicago, too, so I hope they, my, my daughter lives there in Morton Grove. Okay, uh, Lou, Lou, I'll be really honest with you. I've just got a couple of minutes here, and that's kind of off topic. That was like what we were talking about before um, the uh, the break. And I'd love to have you call back and talk about the, the walk in Detroit, because I'd love to hear it. But we're right now talking about the uh, Endangered Species Act here in Illinois. Right. The Illinois Endangered Species Protection Board, which is under threat by HB 5293. So uh, we have just a couple of minutes, Jen Walling from the IEC. How can folks, you mentioned it already, they should call their representatives and, and they should probably ask them, do you know where, because they'll get a staff person, do you know where your rep stands on this issue? I imagine that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And, and then tell them, that this is uh, that they think this is not a very good bill. Yes, so they should call their rep. Um, you know, in, in the Springfield office at this time of year, we also have an action alert that they can send a form email 
And a final really big step is that we have our lobby day this week, um, mm-hmm. Thursday, April 26th. We have buses um, in Springfield from the Loop and three Southside locations in the suburbs. Um, and so if folks want to join us and get on the bus and come and tell their state rep in person that they should oppose this bill, we'd really appreciate it. It's definitely going to come up this week. Um, and it is uh, incredibly dangerous for wildlife. Do you- Yes, it is dangerous. Uh, one of the things there's there's like set asides on there, incidental takings that are going to be allowed, and and that's language that is used to say, uh, oh yeah, I accidentally caught uh, an endangered species, mm-hmm. but you'll get a break here. Or there's lands that normally protect it, yeah. but you'll get a break here. Uh, it seems like it's just whittling away at the uh, underpinnings of the Endangered Species Protection in in Illinois. Um, so yep, it, that's right. Uh, so if folks want to do this, they can go to my website, uh, MikeNovak.net. I've got the link to your uh, uh, information where they can go online, they can find their legislator, and they can call or write. Uh, if folks want to go right to the Illinois Environmental Council, they go to? ILEnviro.org. Um, and we've got all the information on Lobby Day and taking action and other action alerts. There's a lot that goes on this time of year. That's ILEnviro.org. Uh, Jen Walling, thank you so much for taking the time uh, on Earth Day. Have a great Earth Day, and good luck with this. I'll be calling my uh, representatives. Thanks. You too. Happy Earth Day, everybody. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Rick DeMaio is next. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. It might be winter, but you can still visit farmers markets hosted by many different Chicagoland houses of worship on select Saturdays and Sundays from now through April. Your purchase of local, sustainably produced food helps support regional farmers. The markets are organized by Faith in Place, a nonprofit which inspires people of diverse faiths to care for the earth through education, connection, and advocacy. For a market schedule and to learn more, go to faithinplace.org. Even nature needs a night out, and so do you. The Evanston Green Ball is now nature's night out, and it's a celebration of all things green. Be part of this event to benefit the Evanston Ecology Center on May 18 from 7 to 10.30 p.m. at 2024 McCormick Boulevard in Evanston. Fantastic food and beer, cool eco-raffle prizes, beehive tours, and more. Go to evanstonenvironment.org slash party. Afternoons have never been smarter. 1590 WCGO. Smart Talk for the North Shore. My baby's name is Busha. From Poland she did come. 
To work out on Jones Island Amid the sludge and scum She wears a bright babushka And patent overshoes She's a real hot mama for sure That's why she keeps me wailing Those old Milorganite blues Ah yeah, those old Milorganite blues uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, let's just go right to the phone line and bring in meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Hey, Rick, have you got a girlfriend named Busha? Oh, wait a minute. Is this, is this in somewhere in Michael Cohen's file? <laughs> no, it might be. <laughs> yeah. and uh, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just wondering because um, I don't know if you guys heard, but I, I, was, I was pardoned by the president earlier today for the really bad weather the first three weeks of the month of uh, April. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, me, me, me and, and along with uh, Jack Johnson. Isn't that yeah. amazing? Yeah. The problem with you accepting a pardon is that you admit your guilt. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Part. Oh, so this was your fault. I, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll put it this way. I, I didn't mean it. <laughs> we'll blame skilling. <laughs> Go blame skilling, yeah. <laughs> really, let's put everything uh, but, on skilling. I felt sorry for him the other yeah, night. I, uh, the, you know, there was uh, one of the baseball games that just went forever and ever and ever. And then oh. there was 11 o'clock and skilling. I'm thinking, you get paid too much to be there at 11 o'clock, uh, Tom. You you know, get, oh, one, get one of those other guys there. You know, speaking of Tom, you know, this is the first year he hasn't done his um, tornado seminar. Um, I don't know if you guys realize that, mm-hmm. but even he actually cut back from from two a day to one a day a couple of years ago, and it was actually two pronged. Um, and and I, I I talked to someone who's close to Tom, and they said, you know what, he was getting you know a little bit. It was kind of routine, and but quite frankly, he's actually more involved in getting out in the community and talking about climate change. Isn't that amazing? That's great. Good for him. Yeah, wow. good for him. Yeah, I mean, he he's actually you know become more and more of a uh, of a of a of a vocal leader in the community, and he doesn't have to do this. He doesn't get paid for it. He's on TV. He's going to be working for a company called Sinclair Broadcasting. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's almost like he's trying to get as much out now before they say no more. All, all so I got. We'll, we'll see. We'll we'll see how that goes with that, right? Right. All I got to say about Sinclair is, shut up, Wesley. All right. That's the. <laughs> we, <laughs> there you go. We just send it their way. Yep, I agree with you. Yeah, on that. But, but that's interesting. So anyway, you, you make a really good point, though. We don't know. Uh, they're they're trying to get the stations in New York and Chicago, uh, and uh, whether that will happen remains to be seen. They they claim that uh, don't worry, we're not going to run them, but they're going to have like a back channel open to them. So it's oh, it, it, of course, it's, yeah. yeah, of course. So hey, listen, uh, there's sunshine today. It's uh, it's around fifty or so. Uh, I I will ex- <laughs> I'll accept that. I mean, that's as good as we're going to get. So I'll go with that. How's that? Um, it, it's pretty amazing. I mean, uh, all I've been doing the last couple of days has been crunching numbers and, and trying to figure out, you know, where we actually stand with this, with this month of April mm-hmm. and basically what's been going on since the first of March. And I think one of the more glaring things is the fact that, and I know a lot of gardeners will agree with me, uh, it's been way too cold, way too long. Uh, but even though the snow that we've gotten, and we got two different snow events last week, gave us more snow in the month of April that we had in the month of March. That's just, that's something that you don't typically see. 3.2 inches of fish out of hair in April, 2.6 in the month of March. We're done with the snow. The pattern has become 
We'll say less cold. How about that? It's not exactly a warm pattern, <laughs> I know. but less cold. But that gets a ding right there. Yeah, close enough. It's like, all right, anything, anything more than if it's if it's not 40 and snowing, I'm happy. If it's 50 and sunny, that works for me. Right, but it, it, it's been pretty chilly nonetheless. I mean, we have had more days <laughs> below 32 degrees ever in the month of April uh, than we've ever had dating back to 1880. We're up to number 15 and the good news is I think we're done with temperatures below freezing. So even though the average date for the last spring freeze in northeast Illinois is pretty much anywhere between about the 21st and about the 29th, mm-hmm. nothing on the weather maps. And I mean, nothing shows us that we're going to be back into at least 32 degrees, although we might get to 34, 35, but we're not going to get another freeze. We're not going to get a hard freeze. I think we're done with that. Wow. Uh, but one, one thing we do need is some sunshine and dry weather so we can really heat up the soil temperature, because the soil temperature yeah. is still pretty cold, only and, 40 degrees when you go down about an inch or two, and that's not good. Yikes. And the lake is a few degrees below as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you make a good point there, Peg. The lake water temperature right now is 39 degrees. If you look at the lake water temperature last year, it's about 42.8. The year before, it's about 43. But here's another weird thing, and this is one of the great things about being a meteorologist. You're like a little <laughs> detective. You're kind of looking back at stuff. You're looking for trends. You're kind of looking at maps. You're going, I remember this. I remember that. And we have not had much ice on the Great Lakes this year. So if you go back to 1973, this is the fourth lowest uh, coverage of ice than we've ever seen on the Great Lakes. But oddly enough, if you look at the Great Lakes on the whole for this week, we're at 5.2% of the Great Lakes covered with ice. The last five years, we were basically below 1%. So in an odd way, we've actually held on hmm. to whatever little ice we've had. And I think that leads to what Peg talked about, is the lake is actually three or four degrees below what normally is this time of the year. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's just been a, a strange, strange spring. I did a little uh, citizen science myself this week. I took a, sure. a, I took a photo. I've got a plant, a tree in my backyard called a Cornelian cherry dogwood or a cornice mass. Hmm. All right, now it's not. Yep, I, think I, I think I know exactly what you did, but keep going. All right. Uh, it's it's blooming this week, so I took a photo and I uh-huh. and I posted it and and I realized I thought wait a second I took a photo last year so I went back to see the right. fo- the photo I took last year last year the same and it was green uh, no the last year the bloom was uh, it was also blooming last year when I took it but it was March ninth all right right <laughs> yeah all right. right and I put the two photos together this uh, last year March ninth this year April twentieth. And I had I had the Chicago Botanic Garden and the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum retweeting that because they uh, they appreciated yeah. what I was doing. So a little bit of citizen science there, but we're so we're we're basically in terms of that kind of bloom a month and a half behind where we were last year. Yeah, I was actually looking. I was looking at photographs from the day that we were marching in Grand Park last year, April twenty second. I'm like, look at all the green on the trees. And then someone said to me the other day, they go. Well, I can't believe how bright the sun is right now. And part of the reason why it seems like it's so bright is, A, it's high in the sky. <laughs> and, B, and B, there's, there's no, leaves. no leaves on the trees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So there's absolutely no shade. So this is actually, we're going to think about this in a positive way. If you notice, the grass has actually got a little bit greener in just the last week. Yeah. We got a lot of sunshine. So the sun increases the photosynthesis. The, greenery, the greener the grass will get green. But it's probably not growing much. It's just getting green. It's kind of a weird thing here. But over the next week and week and a half, when it should be happening, the trees are really going to bloom out, mainly due to two things, sunshine and warmer temperatures. So this may actually work in our favor because, as we talked last week, it's been so cold 
nothing's really growing, so nothing has really been hurt yet. So in an odd way, it's almost like everything is delayed about three weeks, but there hasn't been much harm done. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. The only except thing, to our mental state. Except, <laughs> well, there's except that. Except for our mental state, right, right. And, we're, and, we're not here to talk about us, Jake. We're here to talk about <laughs> things growing in the ground. And a few confused insects, uh, which is not good either. Well, yeah, so. with the migration coming up soon, that's going to start being yeah. a problem. All right, we got we got a minute left here, so let's let's do a forecast and and please tell us that the, there's some kind of warm weather in the, our future. <laughs> um, we'll put it this way: it's seasonal, okay? So All normal right. high for this time of year is 62. We'll probably see something like that closer to today tomorrow. Today's still a little bit of a lake breeze, so anybody who lives within a mile of the lake, you're still running around five to eight degrees cooler than anything east or say west of Western Avenue. A little bit of rain comes through Tuesday night into Wednesday. But nothing in the way of 70 degrees around here for probably 10 days. So wow. seasonal weather, the real warm stuff, not until May. All right. Thanks, Rick. want to thank everybody on the show, Emily Murphy and all the Alder Critters and Jen Walling. And until next Sunday, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. 